We believe that only God makes a preacher. But we want to help him be more faithful. This is Verse by Verse. And I'm your host, Pastor Rob Ginter. Can you understand the book of Revelation? Or do you need a tinfoil hat, a TV ministry, and conspiracy theories? Join us today in part one of a two-part series called Why Should I Preach Through the Book of Revelation with Dr. Tom Schreiner. Dr. Tom Schreiner is a New Testament professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and an elder at Clifton Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Dr. Schreiner gives us reasons why we should preach through the book of Revelation. No tinfoil hat needed. Hold the conspiracy theory. Only unbridled truth about the sovereignty of God and the victory of Christ. Right after this. Does your church need help with its wireless network? RoadsTech specializes in the design, configuration, installation, and maintenance of wired and wireless networks for your church. Visit us online at www.roads-tech.com. That's R-H-O-D-E-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Dr. Schreiner, welcome to the Verse by Verse Preaching Podcast. Uh, thank you, Rob. It's uh, my pleasure to be with you today. So it's been said previously that the book of Revelation is the book that church members wish their pastor would preach. And it's also been said that it's the book of the Bible that pastors are least likely to preach. So would you tell us today why should pastors preach expositionally through the book of Revelation? Well, Rob, I could give you a very long answer to that, but I, maybe I'll just say a few things quickly. First of all, really basic, but we ought to start with the basic. It's in God's Word. <laughs> it's part of inspired Scripture. So God, God knows better than us what ought to be in Scripture, obviously. We ought to preach everything that's in the Bible. Secondly, it's the capstone book of the Bible. Uh, clearly, whatever you think of the order of the canon, Revelation fits as the last book. It, it ties everything together. We should, we should be preaching and teaching a book that ties everything together. And um, it emphasizes God's uh, fulfillment of all his uh, promises and saving purposes. So that's two things. Thirdly, the book brings us great comfort. Uh, it's a very comforting book. It reminds us that those of us who follow the Lord will be rewarded. Those of us who refuse God's lordship will be judged. Is, people ask, is God just? Revelation answers that question. Yes, he is. Will God vindicate his people? Revelation answers that question. Yes, he does. Now, actually, there's a lot of other things I could say, but maybe I don't want to just spend the whole time answering that first question. Well, metaphorically, hold our hands and walk us through some of the exegetical issues of the genre in which that we find the book of Revelation. So I think we can say clearly, uh, Revelation is, I think, of three genres. It's, a, it's epistolary. That is, there are epistles. Chapters two and three, we have the seven letters to the seven churches. So we have an epistolary genre in the book. How do we interpret epistles? Secondly, Revelation calls itself a prophecy. Uh, 
especially at the beginning and the end of the book, but, but elsewhere in the book as well. So it's clearly prophecy. Of course, we're used to prophecy from the Old Testament prophets in particular. But thirdly, it's, a, it's, an apocaly it's apocalyptic in genre. Now, I, I actually agree with George Ladd, if people still know his name, who taught for many years at Fuller Seminary and wrote lots of books. George Ladd says, why not prophetic apocalyptic? That is, Revelation is prophecy and apocalyptic together. But what do we mean by apocalyptic? I think the best way to talk about apocalyptic in a popular way is to say apocalyptic literature is, is, is very symbolic. And, and therefore, it captures our imaginations in a way that's quite different from epistles or even ordinary prophecy. And even the most untutored reader looking at the book of Revelation immediately recognizes, wait a minute, this is different. And why is it different? We have symbols. So what do I mean by symbols, right? The enemies of God are, it's the first beast and the second beast, right? The beast from the sea, the beast from the earth. Uh, the devil is called a dragon. I mean, clearly that's a, that's a symbol. He's not, the devil is not a literal dragon, right? Flying through the air uh, or, or even a sea monster, literally, however you understand what that's saying in the book. Uh, but, but these are different pictures being used and to describe what's going on. And, and that can be difficult for us because we have a hard time unraveling sometimes what, is, what does this symbolism mean? How do we, how do we unpack it? And that's, that's what I think causes many people to think, well, I don't understand it. It's too, it's too strange. Well, speaking of how to, how to approach the book, would you be able to make a case for us of the way in which that you interpret the book of Revelation? Well, I, I would just say, historically, if we looked at categories, you have the preterist interpretation, which emphasizes that Revelation was fulfilled in the past, that it was written to the first readers, I think in around the year 80, 90, or 95 or so. That's disputed, but I take the later date. So you have, a, you have a preterist interpretation that interprets Revelation in terms of the past. You have a historicist interpretation that interprets Revelation as being fulfilled all throughout church history. Uh, so Revelation sort of is a chart of church history. I think that view is not very credible, actually. Pretty um, speculative. You have the futurist interpretation, which sees Revelation as fulfilled almost entirely in the future. The most popular view of that in the United States is in the dispensational uh, readings. And anybody who's read the Left Behind books, that's one dispensational reading, right? Obviously, that's an, those are stories and narratives, but it's built off that futurist interpretation. And then there's the idealist interpretation that emphasizes, well, there's not a lot of details here, but we have a fulfillment and that God wins and, and Satan loses. And I would argue, I'm not a dispensationalist, but I would argue that there's truth really in all those views. Revelation, the preterist view, Revelation was addressed to the past readers. So to understand the book, we have to get into the, the history of what's going on. But it also relates to the future. So the futurist view is an entirely wrong. And even the historicist view reminds us 
that Revelation speaks to every generation, and it's spoken to every generation in church history. And the idealist view captures it as well. What's the fundamental message of the book? I think we can say it in two words. God wins. God, God triumphs. So Satan loses, God triumphs. Um, all, all will be well at the end of the day. So I, I, I have a bit of a mixture of views. Uh, probably if you were to say which view are you closest to, I'm probably closest to the idealist view. But I think I, I like to take a little bit from all of them. How has this book bore fruit in your own life? Well, you know, um, there's a lot I could say about that as well, but I think I'd begin by saying the vision of God's sovereignty in the book is amazing. So the book, the, the visions open after the epistles in chapter four, you have a vision in chapter four of God's throne room, of, of, of God, God the creator, reigning and ruling um, in, in the throne room. And what's happening in that throne room? There's a, there's a terrifying thunderstorm taking place, lightning and thunder and everything's exploding in that room. And, and the point is, What's the point of chapter four? The, the, all of creation is worshiping God as, as the creator. And as the creator, he's sovereign. And, but, but here's where it really pays off in terms of preaching. This is addressed to suffering believers. It's addressed to believers who are being mistreated. It's being addressed to believers who are even being put to death. I mean, that's not happening to me. I'm not really being mistreated in a great way either. But whatever we're going through, whatever suffering we're experiencing, we're reminded by, Revel- by the book of Revelation, God rules. God's, God's in control. Um, but it's not just that, right? It's not just God is in control. You look at chapter 5, uh, chapter 4, God is worshipped as Redeemer. I mean, as Creator. Chapter 5, Christ is worshipped as Redeemer. So you have in chapter four, God is creator. Chapter five, Christ is redeemer. We, we worship the Lord Jesus Christ in this book. So sometimes I say to people when I'm being a little bit sarcastic, I say, yeah, Revelation's full of really bizarre and weird things like God's the sovereign creator of the world. And it's full of really strange things you've never heard before, like we were redeemed by the cross of Christ. And the reason I like to say that is I'd like to point out, look, Revelation is mainstream Christian teaching. I don't think we go to the book of Revelation and find something radically different from what we see in the rest of the New Testament. What we see is what's found in the rest of the New Testament and the Old Testament, clothed in an apocalyptic garb. So it's clothed in symbolism, but it but it's the same message. Why is it clothed in a apocalyptic garb because it captures our imaginations, I would argue. It summons us to, to look at what God has done in, in fresh eyes. So I'm comforted by God being the sovereign creator of my life. I'm, uh, you know, the fundamental message of the Christian life. I'm forgiven. I'm freed from my sins by, by the blood of Christ. And that is, that's the best news in the world. You mentioned the apocalyptic garb that it's covered it's cloaked in. How do we make sure to treat the symbols rightly and not impose something that we saw in the newspaper potentially into? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the greatest danger for us today 
is to interpret revelation with what I call new, you use the word, but I, and I, I use it too. Newspaper eschatology, I call it. The, the, the prism by which we interpret the book is often the newspaper. The, but that's very arbitrary and speculative. You know, I, when I've been alive, you know, the great enemy of the people of God has been the former Soviet Union, China, uh, Iraq, and, you know, it keeps changing as, uh, as the enemies, um, you know, we're in the United States, as the enemies of the United States change. And I think that's a very speculative way to go. So, so uh, you know, in chapter 12, here's an example of this, right? Newspaper eschatology. The woman is rescued by two wings of an eagle. Well, I read in a book, that's the United States Air Force. <laughs> well, that's newspaper eschatology, isn't it, all over the place. But, but the key to interpreting the symbols is the use of the Old Testament. Almost every verse of the book of Revelation alludes to and is saturated with and permeated by the Old Testament. So the reason, the fundamental reason, we have a hard time interpreting the images, is because we don't know the Old Testament. If you don't know the Old Testament, and, I don't, and you don't know the Old Testament context, it's gonna be really difficult to interpret the book of Revelation. Now I'm not saying, by the way, every passage is easy, therefore, once you know the Old Testament. Obviously there are still difficulties in the book, but it goes a long way a long way towards understanding the book when we recognize the key to unlocking the book is knowing that Old Testament text. And, uh, you know, again, you see it's kind of the culmination of the whole Bible, right? The whole storyline of the Bible comes into play here. And so the book is just suffused with that Old Testament uh, vision. So maybe it's a good idea to preach and know the Old Testament well before you tackle Revelation. Yeah, and that's actually my next question for you. Do I need to put off preaching it until I've preached through and studied through an X number of other books? You know, it just depends on where where someone is personally, but that might be a good idea. It might be a good idea to preach and have a good understanding. Really, you need a good understanding of the storyline of the Bible. You need a good understanding of the covenants. You need a good understanding of Isaiah and Ezekiel uh, and, and Zechariah and Daniel. It's going to be hard to interpret Revelation if you don't have some kind of good understanding of those books. I'm not saying you have to preach to them, but at least have a good understanding of those, of those books. So I, you know, maybe there, there's exceptions, but I think for most pastors, it should be something you tackle after you've been in the ministry for a while, in most cases. Thank you very much, Dr. Schreiner. We are now in what we would call the lightning round, in which I ask you a question and you answer it in a single sentence. Okay, here we go. So question number one, give us a book recommendation on the book of Revelation that you didn't write. I think for a nice introductory commentary, and I don't mean by that simplistic, I'd recommend Dennis Johnson's Triumph of the Lamb, by, published by Presbyterian and Reformed. That's a nice, clear introductory commentary that I really like. And uh, the next question is, what did you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> I had, my wife made me breakfast and I had eggs, 
uh, potatoes, kidney beans, and uh, and a piece of bread. Yeah, it was fantastic. Nice. And finally, if you had a, a superpower, what would it be? Uh, I think I'd love to fly, you know? It'd be very cheap when I had to travel. <laughs> That's a very gospel-centered uh, superpower that you have there. World missions advanced. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Dr. Schreiner, for joining us today. Well, it's been great to be with you, Rob. Thank you for listening to Verse by Verse. You can find us online at goversebyverse.com. Join us again for preaching resources to help you become a more faithful expositor of God's Word.